This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. And we're back. Football on BFM is back. Now, uh, listeners, you must surely know by now that the host of this show since 2006, I think it was, uh, Ross Yusuf, tragically died very suddenly about three weeks ago. Since then, uh, well, BFM and all pundits and many, many listeners have said that, well, the show must go on because we can't just let all the work that Ross put in just disappear like that. So we feel confident that Ross, who's probably watching us now from the great Old Trafford in the sky and uh, <clears throat> probably having a good time with George Bess, is, uh, would be happy that we continue because there's one thing he taught me. It is that uh, no matter what goes on in life, good or bad, there's always football. So uh, today, our three star pundits will be, oh, and by the way, me, Cam Rasslan, I'm going to be trying to step into the impossible task of hosting this show and the, the, the rabble that we have on. Uh, and so with the rabble uh, this week, our three star pundits will be, there's Arvin Sidhu. Hi, everyone. Um, it's a bit bittersweet to be here today, but uh, like what Cam said, I think Ross would have wanted the show to go on. Um, so I think he will be looking down on us very proud and no matter how we take this. So it's, it's an honor to be here, and I'm really glad to be here with the rest of the pundits today. Thank you for having me. Great, great. And Nicholas Anil? Hi, Kim. Um, yeah, just echoing what I will say. You know, it's great to know that uh, this, this show will continue in Ross's legacy. Um, I know it's a, it's a big seat. It's a, it's a hot seat for you to occupy, but I'm sure you'll get warmed up pretty, pretty soon. I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> and finally, uh, Gogolin. Yeah, thanks, Cam. Uh, it's been since 2009 is when we did the first shows, and yeah, it's been a roller coaster ride. Of course, and you know, Facebook's memories of every day keep showing us Ross pictures of us, you know. So he's always there with us, and you know, I'm really glad you're doing this, Cam. That somebody's uh, taking the mantle, and I think you 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 will definitely grow into it. Even when Ross started it, he was you know all out of sorts, but we grew into it and made it his own, and I'm sure. You, with the guidance from Ross above, will make make it another take it to another level. Well, thanks, Gog- thanks, Gogolin, and uh, we'll we'll I'm going to try my best. So, uh, what we're going to be talking about today, we've got uh, it's been a it's been a packed weekend of football. Um, I'm going to talk it up here, by the way. We've got the we're going to talk about the FA Cup third round. There've been some upsets. We're going to talk about the League Cup semis and uh finally the transfer window news and if we have time i want to ask the pundits if you have all the money in the world as newcastle united now do have how would you get newcastle to get to win the champions league in five years time but we'll start off with the uh fa cup third round some some big upsets and who said the magic is dead first of all let's start off with newcastle nil Cambridge United won. Now, Newcastle had 23 shots, seven of which were on target. And uh, uh, yet they still lost. The mighty Cambridge United are newly promoted into League One. And it's not the first time they've they've beat Newcastle in an FA Cup. They beat them once before. I think 1983, that was when Beardsley, Keegan and Waddle were playing for Newcastle. So, uh, Arvin, I'll start with you. Was this an upset? Um, it was. I mean, no matter how you look at it, you're looking at a Premier League club that has got the riches that regardless of where they're sitting in the table, Newcastle are a Premier League club. 
Cambridge United, Joe Ironside, who scored the goal, he scored against his boyhood club. Alan Shearer was his idol. So when you when you have these stories, like what you say, Cam, it really epitomizes what the FA Cup is about, the magic of the FA Cup, the tales that we will remember from years to come. But but I was reading forums and Newcastle fans were saying, is this really an upset? Because has Newcastle really lost to, to Cambridge? Is it an upset? Uh, are Newcastle going to be playing the same league with Cambridge in a couple of years? I don't think they'll go down to the way that the League One is right now. But um, Eddie Howe's got problems. I mean, he named a, he named a strong starting lineup. Uh, he wanted to because he wanted to build confidence. Kieran Trippier came in, their recent signing, which I thought did relatively well. Uh, but the problem that they have is for all that fantastic build-up that they play, and the opposition goalkeeper, Dimi, Dimi uh, Mitov, he was excellent. But for all that excellent build-up play that Newcastle have, they just can't put the ball in the back of the net. Uh, Callum Wilson's going to be missing for six to eight weeks. That's a huge blow for them. One win in 21 does not inspire confidence. And if there's one game that's going to break or make or break Newcastle season is the league this weekend when they play Watford. That game is going to determine, in my opinion, where they, whether they stay up or they go down. So yeah, tough times for Newcastle, uh, but it's still an upset when you consider where they are in the, in the table for both teams. Yeah, uh, uh, Nicholas, if, if I turn to you now, uh, Arvin's actually a, a Leeds United fan, so I'm going to use uh, the name of his club in vain. Uh, you know, wouldn't it be hilarious if Newcastle, despite now being the richest club in the world, did a Leeds United, and uh, they they look like they might drop down to the Championship. And what's to say that they won't just continue dropping down? Well, Cam, I'm also a Leeds United fan, so I, uh, I would resonate. Oh, I would sorry. resonate strongly with. with <laughs> I was going to give you a heads up on that, Cam. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh my God, how embarrassing. Uh, but but yeah, going back going back to your question. Um, I don't think Leeds will get relegated, if I'm being brutally honest. Uh, but let's put Leeds aside because we are we are now focusing on, on Newcastle. Uh, just looking at, at their performance um, over the weekend. Um, whatever Arvind said, you know, I absolutely agree with him. But it was the reaction of the players uh, uh, which was really concerning. Um, it was a packed house in St. James's Park. 50 over 1,000 fans, you know. They were there for a match. They were there for this Newcastle team to produce, um, you know, one of the finest performances this season. Because the, and it had all the ingredients for them to do so. The January transfer window had just opened. They had signed an established right back, you know, uh, which would have sparked, which would uh, probably spark a revolution of more signings to come. And, you know, performing in front of a, you know, in front of a full house, uh, they expected a mighty performance from this Newcastle side. But, what they got was the total opposite, you know. Uh, even though Newcastle continued, you know, to pepper Cambridge's uh, goal, they, they just simply could not find the net. And to, to compound the misery of this, the players refused to even acknowledge the fans. You know, they walked out in shame. And Kieran Trippier had to go, imagine a new player who has just came into the club playing his first game had to go to some of the senior players and try and convince them to at least acknowledge the fans, you know, who had come out in force. So the fans' belief has gone, you know, the, the performance on the pitch have not merited uh, the hype that Newcastle have, have been building up ever since the takeover. Um, and these are big, big problems uh, for Eddie Howe to sort out. And it's it's sort of unfair for him to, you know, uh, deal with all of this. He's, he's coming to a club to try and improve this club. He's a relatively young manager and he's expected to build on, on what Newcastle have had. But now he's got a lot of problems. He has to restore the belief of the fans. 
He has to restore the beliefs of the players. You know, the league is only halfway through. And like Arvin mentioned earlier, if they lose that game against Watford, you know, it could be a downward, downward spiral for Newcastle. Uh, Goglan, if I could take you to a different upset in this round, uh, the FA Cup round. Nottingham Forest won, Arsenal nil. Now, Arsenal had 67% possession, but zero shots on target. And when I was watching it, you know, Nottingham Forest are playing red, and I was thinking, they look more like Arsenal than Arsenal. The, the counter-attack was the, scored the goal. The other counter-attack, they were really good. Well, I, I got to say, well, Forest were really up for this game, and I know, really, as you said, counter attack after counter attack, and you know, they, I think they played the game plan to say. It could have been the what he called Arsenal's new Real Madrid look of all white that uh, threw Arsenal players. I think they couldn't find themselves. But you know, this is uh, like uh, we said, the magic of the FA Cup. Forest were completely up for it. I don't know what uh, the Arsenal players were. They, I think, they were on a high. They was, should, they, they should have actually walked this game, but. It was, uh, the, as you said, the game plan of a counter-attack after counter-attack. And the first goal was a counter-attack, if I'm not mistaken. I really watch, only watched the highlights of this. But they stuck to their game plan. And you would expect Arsenal to you know, come back from that. But they didn't. Yeah, they, they, they have been hit uh, quite hard by COVID. Um, as, as have many clubs, actually, uh, in this, uh, this round of football. But uh, I, I think uh, I'd like to talk about Arsenal a little bit more. But in uh, part two... Well, we're going to have to take a break now. Uh, Ross was always fantastic with his timings on this, and I, uh, we have producer Hanif watching over me, and he's, like, waving at me now. Time to take a break. So uh, we're going to take a break, and in a moment uh, we're going to be talking more about the FA Cup and um, other things here on... Uh, what are we on? Off the ball or on the ball? Somebody tell me. Off the ball. <laughs> okay. I never, I never knew. Off the ball here on BFM 89.9. Break from mediocrity. BFM 89.9. And we're back with more football. And uh, we, I want to do a little bit more on Arsenal. I think uh, we'd be doing them a disservice if the mighty, mighty Arsenal were ignored. So, Arvin, uh, what, what are your thoughts on, on the display by Arsenal just now? Uh, a deserve, deserved 1-0 defeat. I mean, knocked out in the third round, it doesn't happen often to Arsenal. I think it's only the second time in the quarter of a century that it's happened to them. But when you look at the lineup on the day, um, yes, they were depleted in some sense. A couple of their players have gone to AFCON. Uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles has gone on loan to Roma. Mm. But you still had the likes of Martin Odegaard. You still had Gabriel Martinelli, who's in excellent form right now. Saka, Ben White. So you still had really good players. Um, but he made changes in hope of giving a couple of the youth players who they've got a lot, a lot of hope for. Uh, but there were some players on the day that just didn't show up for them. I thought... Nuno Tavares had his worst ever game in the Arsenal shirt. He was absolutely horrible at left back. 35 minutes, right? He got Yeah, they had to bring him off after 35 minutes. That was horrible. Cedric Suarez on the other end wasn't great either. Uh, and Charlie Patino, who's a midfielder in the centre, who's got a lot of a lot of races about him happening. You can't put Charlie Patino and hope that some another youngster like Albert Sambil Lokonga, who made the mistake that led to Lewis Graben scoring not for Nottingham Forest. The, the centre of Arsenal's midfield left so much of room for, for Nottingham Forest to exploit. So he took a chance um, because he's got the League Cup coming in a couple of days as well. He took a chance. It didn't pay off. But Arsenal fans would be kicking themselves. They would have at least wanted to go further than this round, that's for sure. 
Okay, we're going to move on to uh, another upset. Now, at the beginning, before we start recording, uh, Nicholas uh, said, are we really going to talk about Burnley, uh, Huddersfield for 13 minutes? And it's like, yeah, well, yeah, we, we are. And so, therefore, I'm going to turn to you, <laughs> Nicholas, <laughs> to, to tell us about Burnley, Huddersfield, which uh, a mouth-watering uh, fixture, of course. Burnley, one, Huddersfield, two. Nicholas, go. <laughs> mouth-watering fixture, Cam, really. <laughs> Um, well, Burnley's form in the Premier League um, sort of already suggested that, you know, this was going to be, uh, it, it wouldn't be surprising if uh, Huddersfield took this game and indeed it happened. Uh, it was contrasting halves. Burnley started off really well. You know, I thought they played really well. Uh, Jay Rodriguez got them the lead. Uh, but in the second half, it was a completely different game. You know, it was, it was like um, um, Sean Dyche made, made wholesale changes and, and a different Burnley showed up. Um, and in the end, it, it was a deserved defeat for Burnley. Um, now, if I just were to sum up Burnley's performances this season so far, I would go back to the defeat against Leeds uh, last week. Um, and I watched that game. Um, it was Leeds, one of Leeds' best performance uh, this season, but it also highlighted Burnley's deficiencies, uh, particularly at the back. Now, you have a lot of this... Uh, you have two great centre-backs in James Trakowski and also Ben Mee. And these are supposedly the leaders of the team. But the way they were playing, it was like, you know, um, they were playing together for the first time, you know, making so many countless errors at the back, you know, giving the ball away needlessly. Um, and, it, and when you have senior players doing this, making these kind of mistakes, it sort of resonates uh, within the rest of the squad as well. You know, so Burnley's problems have run deep this season. And you wouldn't have thought so, you know, when they had that full takeover last season. Um, you know, you had American owners who moved uh, to UK to be closer with the team, to be more hands-on in their approach. You know, they've got a sizable budget as well. They brought in Maxwell Connick, who I, whom I think is a delightful player. Uh, but it, it's all not gone right for Burnley. Um, and if this continues, uh, they will be joining Newcastle um, uh, in the championship. So for mm. me, Burnley's... Uh, performance defeat have not been a surprise they have seen it coming and um, worse is about to hit them because the transfer window is open so many players are already being um, looked at you know Trakowski is one uh, Chris Wood is another one if they lose all these key players then there's no there's no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel for them. Yeah. Goglin, can I ask you a broader question about the FA Cup? Uh, what yeah, I, the- before, before that, I want, to say, I want to say this is not much of an upset, though. You know, in could of the form, when the Huddersfield are in, in the championship and Burnley's mm-hmm. form in the premiership, you would say, I, if I was a betting man, I would have put money on Huddersfield. Yeah, they may well be swapping positions. Yeah, uh, exactly. Like what Nicky, Nick said, you know, they might be swapping positions in the coming at the end of the season because Huddersfield's form in the Shampoo is quite, quite uh, they are red hot at the moment. So, you know. Mm. But Gogan, can I ask you a broader question about the FA Cup? Then you know the magic is dead or not. Watching the, looking at the, the the images from Burnley, there were more Huddersfield away fans than there were Burnley fans. Burnley is struggling to survive in the, the Premier League. They're probably quite happy with this defeat. At least I would imagine. I think there are other clubs there that might be happy with it. Leeds lost against West Ham. They might be happy also uh, to be able to concentrate. Well, Do you I'll think leave, that I will leave the Leeds result to be? What uh, exasperated by the Leeds fans because you know I don't really I think uh, the FA Cup was actually a good uh, avenue for Leeds as with Villa and you know some teams. 
The League Cup, maybe not. But for the, the FA Cup, yes, the magic is there. If for an English club, the FA Cup magic is always there, especially for the supporters. If you're going to get, if you're going to win a cup, they would give it an FA Cup for anything. So yes, the magic is there. In the international market, yes, the FA Cup has lost its magic. I had somebody asking me over the weekend, why is there no uh, Premiership football this weekend? And I was like, bro, it's FA Cup weekend. You know, and not many people in Asia apparently know that it's an FA Cup weekend. And they're like, they thought because it was African Cup of Nations and why. And I was like, you know, okay. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. yes, maybe the international markets, the FA Cup is not being marketed properly. So maybe that magic is what you could speak of. But in England, uh, I think the FA Cup magic is there, as you can see from the away fans and all that. Mm. And back to the Burnley Huddersfield game, you could see Burnley fans are disillusioned by what's going on with their team. And again, Huddersfield stay and form the Huddersfield in. If I was a Huddersfield fan, I would be go up because I knew that this was a game that we could win. Uh, oh yeah, okay. Well, I want to take a, a, a dive now deeper down the uh, the leagues, well, Championship, to, which to me is pretty much non-league. But not for you guys, I know. But uh, I, I want to look at um, one of the fixtures that really caught my eye, which is Coventry. Coventry versus um, Derby County being managed by Wayne Rooney. Coventry won Derby County nil. Now, the story at Derby County is extraordinary recently. They've been deducted 21 points. Um, they are at the bottom of the championship on 11, 11 from safety. And if that weren't bad enough, it, now it seems that Mike Ashley is interested in buying Derby County, which must make Derby County fans very happy. Uh, Arvin, do you know what's been happening at uh, Derby County? Because they have a financial fair play issues, but also Coventry are also in uh, di uh, dire straits. And the, across the football world, in, in England especially, there are a lot of teams in financial trouble. Yeah, uh, Derby stories is a fascinating one from the time that they were actually in the, the championship playoff from a couple of seasons ago when Frank Lampard was their manager to where they are right now. Um, Mel Morris in the Derby fan, fanfare has turned from hero to kind of villain and in how he has run the club, and some of his dodgy dealings that have happened. You're right, 21 points deduction, but recently the form that Derby has had has, has been quite fantastic. I mean, three wins out of four, one draw. So Wayne Rooney is doing all he can to pull them out of the situation that they're in. And the Derby personnel that they have, a lot of, quite a lot of ex-Premier League players, some of them passed it, some of them is still something to give. I mean, the likes of Phil Jagielka is still there, Curtis Davis, Ravel Morrison, Colin Kazim Richards. So a lot of Premier League players who know how to kind of play in the Premier League, but now they've been given a task to actually help the team not fall down further of the football pyramid. The challenge that Derby has is that uh, right now, Mike Ashley has come with a 50 million bid. He's supposedly the preferred bidder. When Wayne Rooney was in an interview on the press conference, he said, I'm pretty sure next week this time, the owner of Derby will be sitting here with me. So I think there's a lot of indications that Mike Ashley will be the owner of Derby. The challenge that they've got is they've got two other clubs in Middlesbrough and Wickham who are actually suing them for further financial fair play regulation distortions. So I think it's like 45 million from, from Middlesbrough and 6 million from Wickham. So they've got more issues that are coming their way. Mike Ashley will not spend a, a dime. But whatever you say about Mike Ashley, he's sort of like the can bits of the modern era. He'll go in and he'll fix the finances. He won't be, he won't lavishly spend on players, but at least he will save them from the situation that they're in. So Derby fans, I don't think they're in a situation to be choosy right now, the owners that they got, because the last couple of ones didn't go through with the bits. So Mike Ashley looks to be the guy for them right now. Okay, well, well, you and, know. and speaking of Leeds fans, they've got a soft spot for Derby anyway. 
Is it just, uh, Philippe, can I just ask a question which I've never understood? Is it just teams in white? Is that what you like? Any, any team in white? That's what that's no, no. things. No, that, 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 that'd be just a different kind of a bunch. But, 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 but no, 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 sorry for where they are right now. All the best for them trying to survive where they are right now. Okay, okay. Hey, uh, uh, actually, I'm going to jump, I'm gonna jump to uh, Goglin, if I may, for one moment, because um, Aston Villa are going to be playing Manchester United uh, tonight, I think it is. Yeah. And um, this must surely be a good time to play Manchester United. Uh, because uh, although Manchester United must really be targeting the FA Cup, I mean they're in disarray. Would, wouldn't you fancy uh, your team's chances? No, of course. This is a great time to be playing United. We are, like you said, in uh, you know from what we hear from the media is you know all kinds of uh, things every day. There's some story coming out. Ragnik's not uh, the players are not playing for Ragnik. All of a sudden, it's just been what five games in now, if I'm not mistaken. So you know it's a great time you're playing, but it, this is United. You can never write them off at any cost. You know it, we we have a. I don't think Coutinho is uh, going to be available for this game though. Uh, it's a bit too early, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think his transfer is uh, he's, he's flying. He just flew in last night. I think I don't think the transfer's done uh, yet. But back to the game. Yes, we will really fancy our chances against United. We played them already at Old Trafford. We won one 0 there. We know how to play them. Uh, I think Ragnik's pressing is not hasn't taken off. His Gagan press has actually taken off. So the players, uh, if Gagan press takes a lot of commitment from players. I mean, it, it's it's. It is a it is a it is a belief of the a philosophy that really needs to, the whole team needs to uh, be on board for. If only half the team is on board of a Gagan Press team, you're not going to be allowed to play that style. So if he, if that is the style that they're playing, then it's going to take at least six months before they, it gets done. It's not an immediate thing because like even Klopp came on and you saw how Liverpool transferred transformed, but it didn't take. It wasn't immediate. Because this philosophy takes a lot from a team and it takes a lot of discipline from the team, especially from your attacking players also to press. And if your attacking players are not pressing, then there's no point. Mm. So it's going to be an interesting game to watch though at four in the morning. Yeah. And I, you, you're going to be there? I will. I will. I've got the school run now. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what Gagan Press is in Portuguese, but it's going to... Someone needs to translate it to uh, Ronaldo and Fernandes. Uh, we're going to take another break and I'm going to come back uh, and ask Nicholas Anil. We're going to be moving on to looking back and forwards at the League Cup semis here on, I'm told, off the ball on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, the business station. And we're back with uh, myself, Cam Raslan, Arvin, Sidhu, Nicholas Anil and Goglan. And we're now going to be talking about... The League Cup, which to my mind, well, I, I really don't like the League Cup. I, it's just like, it's, it, there are too many matches already, and I think that the players are, are just overwhelmed. But uh, if you win it, it's, it's the thing that you want to do. So, but uh, Nicholas, uh, we've seen Chelsea demolish a, a pretty much a B-team Spurs. And do you think, from what you saw, that Spurs could possibly turn it around? And what lessons did you learn from that match? I think I I thought that that um, Spurs should have been buried um, dead <laughs> from the first game. You know, two two nil is actually a compliment to them because Chelsea absolutely dominated their match uh, and could have put in five, six, perhaps even seven. And I'm and I'm not and I'm not um, exaggerating by by any stretch of the imagination. Chelsea were that good. 
Um, and it led to Conte coming out and, you know, uh, honestly, it was a brutal ass- assessment of his team. And he said, we were a few levels below Chelsea. And this was not an acceptable performance. I think it was arguably his worst game ever since he took charge not too long ago, you know. So it just speaks of the disparity of both clubs. And I think uh, in this match, Chelsea is going to put the game to bed once and for all. I'm not surprised if this game will be done and dusted in the first 45 minutes because Spurs have got injury problems. Uh, Son is understood to be nursing a calf injury. So he might not make it. And if he is not fielded, then Spurs basically are losing a, a, a big part of the attacking intent. Kane has not delivered uh, this season at all. He showed glimpses of what he could do, but he's not producing the goods. Lucas Mora has been one of the bright spots, and a lot is going to be depending on him. Uh, but the other players have to pick up the pieces because first have not been good at all. And if you look at Chelsea, it has been the total opposite. That whole Rom- Romelo-Lukaku situation have been dealt so well by Thomas Tuchel. I thought I am I'm so... Um, you know, in, in awe of how he has managed that whole situation. He conducted an internal uh, post-mortem with his senior players on what to do with uh, Romelu Lukaku. He rested him and then started him against Spurs. And I thought Lukaku did well. And Lukaku has now came out, you know, and apologized and said he's fully committed to the cause. And I'm sure he's going to be banging in the goals. And even if he doesn't get Lukaku scoring, you look at Kai Howards, you know, who's been admirable in that role. He's been scoring. You know, Timo Werner's work rate has been excellent and he will continue to be getting the goals for them. And Chelsea's got a lot of other winners all over the park. So I think uh, this game definitely belongs to Chelsea. Uh, Timo Werner scored a goal. Um, I, he did, the, he did. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. Hey, Arvind, uh, earlier Goglin was talking about Klopp arriving with his philosoph- football philosophy and how it took time. Conte, what is his? Do you know what is his football philosophy, and is it a good match for Tottenham Hotspur? And could it could it can it succeed? It can because Conte is a very good manager who will make any player much better. But he and what Nick said was very interesting, and the, the comments that what Conte had come out post that game is because he's come out and it's a power play where he knows he's got a very tough customer in Daniel Levy above him. But he also has started, and we've seen this with Conte's time with Juventus, with Inter, with Chelsea. He has started to indicate, I need the funds. I need the funds to make this team better. Because there's, there's only so far he can go with certain players in that, in that squad. Uh, some of the, the signings that Spurs have made this last couple of years, just really bad for me. Tango Ndombele was absolutely <laughs> horrible over the Africa weekend against, and I'm sorry, Cam, you will probably know how to pronounce the team a bit better, Morakam. Oh, I know I've made that mistake before, <laughs> right. so you will you will correct me on that one. But he was absolutely horrible. I mean, he's a fifty million plus buy. He got he got pulled off the pitch. He lost the crowd. The crowd was on his back. He went down the tunnel and then he came back, tried to redeem the situation. Not good enough. Jafet and Tanga made mistakes two consecutive games in a row. Delhi Ali, you don't know what you're going to do with him. You can't play him in the striker role that they tried in the FA Cup weekend. So and and. Harry Kane's head has obviously been turned. So it's a situation now with Conte is, does he get Harry Kane sold off for quite a bit of money and rebuild the team? Or does he push Daniel Levy for more funds? And we've seen other managers try and do that and fail in the past. So I think Conte's philosophy works. He will make the Spurs a better team, but it's really how much support is he going to get from the board 
in terms of bridging the gap with the top four. Gogla, can I ask you the same question? And you, you raised the point earlier about how it takes time to, to make these uh, football philosophy transitions. Do you think that they can do it? And also uh, a follow-up question is, just, really, how good are Chelsea? Uh, I'll go with the Chelsea one. The Chelsea one, you could see when Tuchel came on to replace Lampard, the players automatically started playing for him. When your players start playing for you, it's already half the battle won. Then they will believe, they will accept your philosophy, they will accept whatever you want to do because they already believe in you. So it depends on whatever formation or whatever tactical approach you have and whatever uh, philosophy, football philosophy you have. If they already subscribe to it, it's very it's a good salary. 50% of it is already won. So it, it's a process. And you could see when Tuchel came on, he, he's a man manager and he's a tactical manager. So his philosophy was there. So Chelsea are in a good place. They've got a good young manager who if they invest in him, in the squad, and they will go on to win things. They won the Champions League, you know? And this is what City were trying to do for how many seasons? So it's not an easy thing to do, but with the right players, the right squad, and the right manager, you have a you have a winning combination. Conte knew that with Chelsea, and he did. I don't think he was back, and hence why he's left. And now you go back to Conte at Spurs. He's come back. He's 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 come back as a project to finish the Spurs project. It's it's a project. Levy is it's a project always for Levy. Is Levy going to back in in the transfer market? Because this is a Spurs side that is not Conte's, right? I don't think he really wants Harry Kane there. Son is maybe a Conte player, but the rest I don't. I don't. You don't look at it. He needs to invest in this squad and get players playing in that way. He needs an Angolo Conte there. You know that kind of type of players. Hmm. So let's let's move on though to looking forward to the the, the other semi final Liverpool Arsenal. Uh, Arteta has said that his team is really hurting. I would assume that they would really be wanting to make something in this match. And uh, Liverpool is with African players who are all at the uh, Africa Cup of Nations, and uh, and and indeed um, having COVID issues themselves. In fact, one person was I saw on Twitter is saying that uh, Klopp's argument appears to be let's cancel all of Liverpool's matches until the Africa Cup of Nations is over. Uh, uh, Arvin, what do you think? Do you think um, I, I, I'm, I don't I don't know which way to go on this one? I think I think Arsenal will be found out again. I mean, Arsenal's chance was getting through the FA Cup, the League Cup. Uh, even though the the tie has been moved, kind of because of the earlier postponement, that now Arsenal have kind of got the advantage of the, the second leg. But you would still expect Liverpool, like how they showed in the league, to kind of to kind of take it to Arsenal. Yes, Liverpool will be missing a couple of players. They will be missing the Afcon players. So do Arsenal. Arsenal don't have Thomas Partey with them. They probably are glad that they don't have Aubameyang with them. But uh, the experience that Liverpool has, and you saw that against Shrewsbury, against Shrewsbury as well, they went behind a little bit early at home. The fans could have jumped on their back. They had a lot of youngsters in that squad, but you relied on the experience of the types of players like the Fabino, the Roberto Firmino who's coming back now from injury. So I still feel Liverpool have got a little bit too much for this Arsenal squad. And we know the Arsenal record against the top teams is not great. Yes, this season they've made a bit of progress. I thought they were excellent against Man City in the first half. But other than that, they typically kind of get brushed aside by these top four teams. And you would expect, it's just a matter of whether Klopp takes this seriously, you know, whether he wants the League Cup or not. But if he puts a little bit of effort and with Pep Linders on his side, I still expect Liverpool to, to, to go through to the final on this one. Yeah, because uh, the Premier League title is out of reach, surely, for Liverpool. Um Something like the League Cup would be a, a nice little uh, consolation prize, wouldn't it, Nicholas? Um, I think Liverpool are in contention for for for, for the league, definitely. Um, um, 
they they are not too far behind the leaders um and they've also got the champions league um i think the league cup for liverpool uh, would be a great audition for klopp to continue using the youngsters you know um he had played five of the academy products and i thought they did really well uh kaide gordon who's now the youngest uh, liverpool goal scorer has come under a lot of uh, praise uh, for his performance his maturity in front of goal um and if i was klopp i would i would feel pretty much the same squad against this arsenal side because um that liverpool side who won against shrewsbury showed uh, so much of maturity showed so much of composure you know despite uh, the visitors taking the lead uh, to come back so i think they have that ingredients to you know uh, go forth uh, in this arsenal game and do the same thing um, now having said that um, this is a chance for arteta to sort of redeem himself he's going to be without a few players key players like arvin mentioned abumayang will not be there thomas partey will not be there uh, but again he's got to depend on, on his youngsters emerson thro kayusaka Eddie and Kitia all these players have got to step up you know these players for me have not stepped up um Eddie and Kitia has been brought back um, after his short spell at Leeds uh, in the hopes of being the next big thing for Arsenal but he's you know uh, blue hot and cold so far and a lot of players i think that Arteta have banked on this season have have not really stepped up so it's it's a chance for redemption it's a chance to step up it's a chance to put this uh, defeat behind them and show what they made up against Liverpool because another defeat against uh, a rival you know uh, would pile on more pressure on Arteta and i think he doesn't deserve that after the the improvement he's made in the squad since you know the start they had a horrendous start uh, at the start of the season but you know they they repaired themselves they came back stronger and they do not want to go back that same path again Well, let's let's follow on from that because you mentioned project a short while ago as regards Conte and Spurs, and of course the word project is really associated with Arteta. and And I wonder if you can answer a question that I I don't I haven't worked out the answer, which is what is the Arteta project and uh, is it on course? I don't think anybody. I don't think even Arteta knows what's his project. He says trust the process. So yes, he has a process in place. He has he has the players. No, Arsenal are not doing that well, that bad. If you ask him the players, if it's a project, it's it's a you cannot have immediate returns. He he's a new young manager that's coming in to take a squad of players that are you know that he has inherited. He's trying to get his way around it. He's trying to put his stamp and mark on it. He the Arsenal are what doing quite well in the league. If you ask me, yes, they are a different class from maybe the Liverpools and the Cities and the Chelseas right now. But that is given. That is a given. But are they are they a different fact from uh, to say United? or Leicester or even Villa they're not you know they're still in the same i think they i think if you ask me Villa uh, Arsenal United game i would put money on Arsenal right now because they are a better team right now so yes they are away maybe the top 3 that is the city the chelsea and the liverpool but uh, again the rest of the teams they're doing they're putting up all well they are good players the players are now playing for the manager they're playing good football interesting football attacking football so yes the future is bright for Arsenal they need to know their limits though right now and their fans need to know the limits fans football fans need to know their limits well that's <laughs> that, that's always worked out for everyone hasn't it <laughs> well arsenal fans in particular yeah they're not a, yeah. They're not a big club anymore oh okay yeah. you heard it here first well second actually everyone's been saying it for years um <laughs> So uh we're going to we're going to come back in a moment though and look at the uh the transfer window and uh we'll see if what we think of the interesting buys and uh, and I want to ask a question which uh which I really want to find an answer to which is 
How does Newcastle win the Champions League? How does Newcastle avoid being in the championship? Um, Here on Off the Ball on BFM 89.9. Break from monotony. BFM 89.9. And we're back with Off the Ball. And now we're looking at, in the final part, we're looking at the transfer window, uh, which has been happening. Um, The biggest, perhaps, name so far, but I'm going to ask the guys what, what's caught their eye. But I'm going to start again with Gogolin, though, because uh, for me, the biggest name has been, well, Coutinho to Aston Villa. Are you are you a happy man? I am, of course. I mean, name like Coutinho coming to Villa. I'm a surprised man more than anything else. Yes, when everybody was going on about it. We are paying, I think, right now, according to Fabrizio Romano, that we're paying 60% of his salary, which is a huge amount. Given Coutinho's salary base in Barcelona, I think it's about 140,000 more than that uh, a week or something like that. So yes, we are subsidizing it at a at a cost, but you know he's only there because of Gerard's influence. Obviously, Gerard had a long chat with him and come over board and all that. And um, you know, if you ask me, I'm excited, of course. Believe Coutinho back in the Premiership, playing in Villa Colors, definitely playing behind. Is it upgrade from Jack Grealish, which everybody asks me? I would think so. Yes, no, boys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I'm expecting to see a lot of uh, long-range shots and people going, ooh, a lot. Uh, so, uh, uh, Avin, what, what has caught your eye? I What caught my eye was, uh, what's his name? Fabrizio Romano. It suddenly turns up in my life um, during transfer window time. Um, I have no idea who he is otherwise. Uh, Ronaldo talking about wanting to leave Newcastle, uh, to Manchester United. Is that, I don't know, what's what's going on here? I mean, that's just, you can make a soap series right now. What's happening with Ronaldo, right? I mean, not, not just Ronaldo, Man United in general. I mean, there's so much talks about leagues. There's talks of clicks in that squad. The English boys of Harry Maguire, Luke Shaw having one particular click. And then you've got the Portuguese boys. There's just so many stories with Man United right now. But you don't expect an investment like that, especially in the January window to leave. So I think that will never, ever happen in this January window where uh, Ronaldo would, would leave. I think Ronaldo has a lot of power in that club still. Um, in the summer is a different story, but but not in January. I think not, I think it's going to be a great window for for, for Villa. I mean, I, I've been looking at the rumors as well. Luca Dean has been, yeah. been rumored to to, to 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 make his way to Villa Park, and I think that's going to be another very very good addition for them at left back. Um, Newcastle need to get it right. Whatever we say, Newcastle need to get this window right. Uh, Kieran Trippier is great, but there's a lot of players that they need to sort out, especially. In, Defense. Sven Botman from Lyon is being looked at a lot, and they need someone to put the to put the ball in the back of the net because if they don't score goals, they're not going to get points. They're not going to get out of the situation that they're in. So I think the focus on this window will really be on on Newcastle. The majority of the big deals will happen in the summer. Yeah, I'm waiting actually for to see what Newcastle are going to be doing. I mean, Trippier is a name that has been linked before this, but I'm really going to see what they're going to do because you know I think we are, we will be talking about Newcastle a bit more later on. But it's really this January transfer window is supposed to be their window, right? And we, yeah. I mean, yeah. There has there been anything? It was Robana Fabrizio been going on about Newcastle? Not, no, not, it's not, just not, yeah, it's just much, right? Sven, yeah, yeah Sven Bortman's a very good centre back from Lyon, so they need someone to sort short the back. Kadeem was also talked about. As a left back, but he seems to be on his he way said to no, Villa. He said no to them, right? Uh, because I say no yeah, to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Kieran Trippier is great, but like again, they, they just need someone to put the ball in the back of the net. Saint Alan Maximan and Almiron will help them, but if someone doesn't score the goals. And Callum Wilson being out is huge for them, so they need someone to put to, to get yeah, a strike. They've been, they've been linked with with Chris Wood one and Abu yep. Mayang the other yep. one. Um, yeah, I don't know if you want Abu Mayang well, the relegation yeah, exactly. top fight though. Yeah. Who who have have not really you know shown this season. Mm. Uh, 
and it perhaps is a testament of the type of players that Newcastle are looking at at this exactly. point because nobody else wants to come. Yeah, well, I, I want to talk about Newcastle a bit more in depth in a moment. But uh, Nicholas, before we, we move to them, any transfers caught your eye or any that you're thinking could be uh, could be happening? A bit of a surprise? Um, well, it would anything that would be a surprise for me would be uh, established stars going to Newcastle at this point um, and Leeds signing somebody. Um, that that has that has been the talk of Leeds fans all over the world. Um, I don't think we'll be signing anyone. Would we, Arvin? No, when I, I doubt. But uh, Cody Drama is going out on loan to Cardiff, so we're getting a body out. So a lot of fans are saying the squad is so thin; they need the body in. Well, I was talking to a couple of, of friends earlier today morning. You know, I think the perfect signing for Leeds United at this window would be getting one Mata from Man United as their replacement for Pablo Hernandez. I think he would be a revolutionary signing for Man for Leeds. But yeah, it's a matter whether the boys go and get that mm. that signing done because he's not doing anything in Man United anyway. So. Okay, we're gonna. I want to move on then to to a burning question that's been on my on my mind, which is, so if if you guys were suddenly in charge of Newcastle United and therefore had all the money in the world, and were tasked with winning the Champions League at some point, uh, what what would you do? Because we're talking about the 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 players showing no interest because they know they know that they're not going to be there in a couple of years' time. Good good point. Um, they know that it's all going to be Kylian Mbappe and I don't know whoever up in on Tyneside. Well, th- well, at least that would be the desire. So, how how would you? And I'm trying to remember back, and I can't remember how long did it take Man City to go from uh, suddenly having incredibly wealthy owners to being becoming Man City. I think uh, you've got to look at what Chelsea did. Can uh, they were the ones who were the pioneers of buying megastars in hopes of getting instant success. And I think Robin Abramovich took over in 2003. 2003. Yeah, 2003. 2003. Yeah. 2003. And it was not until a decade later that they won the Champions League under um, Roberto Di Matteo. Matteo. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, a, it's a decade, uh, a long wait. And, and that also with Abramovich not being, uh, you know, penny-wise. You know, he's splurged. He's splurged. He absolutely splurged. But it's not all about spending money. You need you need the right man. You need the right system. You need the right players. You need the right approach. You need the right mentality, and you need the fans to back you. It's it's a whole ecosystem that needs to work for a team to you know uh, gain Champions League success. Uh, look at Manchester City. They have yet to chase uh, taste uh, Champions League success, even though they've brought in the best. So for me, Champions League is a far-fetched dream for Newcastle at this point, uh, at least. Um, their immediate priority would be to stay in the league. League survival uh, would be priority for the next five years. If they well, can yeah. get the top four, then perhaps they can think about getting out of the Champions League group. But isn't that a crazy, si- crazy situation? You've got all the money in the world and you're thinking about uh, survival and not being relegated. <laughs> and you, can th- you have the money to throw, but no one's going to take that money. I mean, Arvin, what... What would you do? And do you think, I mean, Nick has given the date of 10 years. What do you think is a realistic uh, possibility? It's around there, Cam. I mean, I think Eddie Howe right now is really a transitional manager to the big name that they would expect to get in the next couple of years. Whether Eddie Howe keeps his job if they remain in the Premier League or go down is another. They might even have appointed Eddie Howe with the view that they might get relegated and he will be the man to bring them up. So they, they might even have that in their mind. But it's going to take a lot of time. I mean, yes, they've got fantastic resources, the most in the world. But whenever that deal happened, 
you have to be very practical. Not going to get the likes of Kylian Mbappe or or Erling Braunhardland. They're not going to get that level of players. They're going to get a top six to top eight level type of player. Like a Coutinho going to Newcastle, I wouldn't have been surprised with it. But I think he's chosen the right way with an established team in Villa to go to to take his career further. So it's going to be a trend. It's going to be a progressive need to improve every season. It's going to take a while, Cam. I'm with Nick on this. At least ten years because. When City before before the the, the 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 investment firm came in, Taksin was the owner, and they were still buying players at that time. And then they took them to another step with the Barcelona boys coming in and Pep Guardiola coming in. So for me, it's going to be at least ten years, and hopefully these owners stick it out because that's the amount of time and commitment you need to put in. Okay, the Google, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you all of Saudi Arabia's money, and and I give you the the task of trying to uh, do something amazing with Newcastle United. How would you do it? Uh, there's all the money in the world and you still be players still don't want to come to you. And they, they, that shows what kind of problem you have, right? All that money, you know, and nobody wants to come to Newcastle. I mean, it, I, that whole deal smacks us, you know, I really have no idea. I can't say that in radio, but it, it's it's a complete farce that, that the club like Newcastle is now the richest club in the world. And it talks about what for, where football has come. I'm sure Des on the show will be, have the whole show to himself to say about this. I think, well, if their whole plan right now, their first five-year plan is to stay in the premiership and to break into the top four. That would be their immediate plan if they're going to spend money. And then we'll talk, like Nick said, talk about Champions League group stages in there, you know. Because first of all, if nobody's coming to you, how are you going to invite the players? Even with City, the first, their biggest signing was Robinho at the first. Remember that Robinho signing when they did yeah. with Mark Hughes? And I was telling everybody, Mark Hughes is not going to be around the season to even see Mark Hughes right? and Robinho's uh, playing. And true enough. So, like what uh, even uh, uh, what, uh, sorry, Arvin said that the players know that they don't want to be around, right? So, what's the point in playing for the badge? Yeah. What a situation. What it's a, it's a, yeah, yeah. So, it's they a, really need to stay in the premiership first, then yeah. have a five year plan to break into the top four, right? And then talk about Champions League. I, I mean, I, I have a real soft spot for for Newcastle United, but it'd be kind of hilarious if they're in like League One in a couple of years' time and they still got all the money in the world. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> well, let's. Well, we well we come. My goodness, we've come to the end of the show, and um, at this point, I should say what we'll be looking forward to in the the coming weeks. But I, I have no idea what's happening. Uh, so, uh, I just want to thank uh, our three pundits for today, Arvin Sidhu. Thank you so much, Campson. Absolute pleasure being here. Really enjoyed the session. Thank you. Fantastic. And Nicholas Anil? You've been excellent, Cam. Really, you know, I, I think that you you were a bit, uh, you were a bit uh, nervous or anything, but you didn't show at all. I thought the show went great. Well done. You know, looking forward to having more shows with you. Oh, well, very kind of you. I still see myself as the Avram Grant of uh, <laughs> of, of, of this uh, um so and, and Goglin, thank you for being on the show. I, I would rather call you the Roberto Di Matteo of the, okay. yes, of the show. Yes, yes. You know, don't worry, Gab, you got this. It's 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 a real pleasure being back on the show. It brings back memories. You know, yeah. of course, you know, we miss him a lot, but I, we have to move on and that's what he wanted. So you don't worry about it. You're doing well. well glad to be you. back, boys. <clears throat> well, thank you. I'm glad to be back. And also, well, to you, Ross. Well, thank you. Well, thank you very much, people, for joining us. And uh, join us on uh, Friday when it's uh, Arvin, am I right? Is it on the ball? On the ball. On the ball. <laughs> and, uh, and, we, and football will continue as it always does. Thank you and uh, see you soon. Off the ball.
off air on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.